0: It's Ella and Mia here, and we are so excited to be your hosts for Great Stories, a podcast by Meals and Wheels SA. Hearing stories from the wonderful Meals and Wheels SA team and seeing the benefits this service provides in the community led us to create a space where people can gain insight into the values and histories behind our
1: organisation. This is what this podcast is all about, sharing knowledge and inspirational stories by learning about the values of Mills on Wheels with all of you. Each month, we post two new episodes, one full-length and one shorter episode, which we call size. These are released on the 1st and 15th of every month. Let's get into it.
0: Hi guys, welcome back. So we just wanted to let you all know, in case you weren't aware, Last week we had 5AA come into our main office here at Hilton to talk to our CEO, Sharon, and a few of our customers and volunteers to talk about their experiences here and the importance of what we do at Mills and Wheels. So this is a little clip of how that session went.
1: Uh, Robin at Vale Park. Good morning, Robin. Good morning. How are you? Really well, thank you. And yes, I just rang up because um, my mum's been having Meals on Wheels now for about three years, uh-huh. and I'm amazed at the service that she receives. She enjoys the food, and she she enjoys the contact. You know, every day, Monday to Friday, somebody says hello, and um, they're just very caring, friendly people. And they get to know their customers. Um, Yes. Yeah, I can't speak highly enough. I'm just impressed. And they're all volunteers.
0: Uh, So this year is the 70th birthday of Mills and Wills. So we have a few things coming up on social media and the podcast just to celebrate this. So we hope you'll stick around to see what they are.
1: So for this month's full-length episode... We thought that it would be fitting to introduce the third season of this podcast with a discussion about the founder of Meals on Wheels essay, Doris Taylor. And while we have previously talked about her life story in a bite-sized episode a couple of seasons ago, there is so much more to discuss about her and the incredible impact that she had not only in establishing the first mills on Wheels in Australia, but also her influence on trade unions and state politics. By researching this episode, we really found that Doris Taylor was an incredibly strong and determined woman whose life mission was to care and provide support to others in need without letting her own circumstances deter her. And we hope to show you some of that during this episode. So let's get started.
0: born Doris Irene Taylor in Norwood South Australia on the 25th of July 1901 and she was the eldest of four children of Thomas Simpkin Taylor who was a bricklayer and Angelina Taylor. The family moved to Mount Gambier when she was very young and this is where she experienced her first significant injury that would later impact her future decisions in her adulthood. When Doris was seven years old, she had a bad fall that caused her to permanently walk with a limp, and then four years later, at the age of 12, she sustained another injury from a fall while playing with friends. However, this injury left her permanently paralysed from the neck down with only limited movement in her arms, and saw her have to use a wheelchair for the remainder of her life. She's quoted as saying, I was very sensitive about it at one time, but now I just accept it. Certainly, it was a blow when I found my hopes of walking destroyed, but I lead a very busy life.
1: This is really interesting to see kind of where her determination started because it happened at such a young age and so many people have gone through these type of things and not achieved as much as she has in her life.
0: I agree. I think it really shows how much you can achieve when you put your mind to it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um so all of these injuries led to many years of operations and long periods of hospitalization and this ended up culminating in her doctors suggesting that she live in the home for incurables. And just to give some context, we wanted to pause and discuss a bit about these types of homes and what they were like back during this time because we didn't know much about them before researching for this episode and wanted to explain a bit about what Doris would have faced at that time for anyone who is also not familiar with these types of care facilities. Before the home for
0: incurables was opened, all patients at the Adelaide Hospital who needed to be released but did not have any chance of recovery from their illness or injuries, such as being paralysed or having a lack of movement, and had no proper means of support, were sent to the destitute asylum on Kintour Avenue in Adelaide. This facility was founded in 1850 by the colonial government of South Australia, following demands for a separate society in which people who were unemployed due to illness, injury or age could live. These people mostly consisted of young unwed mothers and people who had recently arrived in Australia with no means of support. This situation lasted until October 1879, when 10 patients at the destitute asylum were transported to home for incurables. The Home for Incurables was opened in 1879 in Fullerton and housed both children and adults with diseases and or injuries that were deemed incurable. Though patients could only reside there if they did not have an infectious or contagious illness or had a mental disability.
1: Even though thinking about this type of place now seems really strange and not very welcoming or inviting, when the Home for Incurables first opened this new facility was thought of as a haven for people to live a better and healthier life than they had before at the destitute asylum. And to really show this, we wanted to include a quote from the South Australian Register, which was SA's first newspaper that ran until 1931 when it became integrated into the advertiser. So this following quote was found in the register in 1902. So, quote, few charitable institutions can show a more creditable record of valuable work than the Home for Incurables at Fullerton. For nearly a quarter of a century, that institution has proved a haven of refuge for hundreds of men and women of all ages who, through no fault of their own, have been prematurely debarred from earning a livelihood. Only those who have experienced the heartbreaking significance of the word incurable can recognize the value of such an institution. In cases of extraordinary sickness, patients are encouraged and cheered by the assurance of their attendants that while there is life, there is hope. And weary weeks of prostration are rendered less irksome by the knowledge that each day brings nearer the time when they will be able to again experience the joy of health and independence. But those who suffer from incurable maladies have no such compensations to look forward to. In many cases, the bitterness of their lot is intensified by the thought that during the remainder of their lives, they must either be a burden upon their friends or seek refuge in the destitute asylum. Fortunately, in South Australia, special provision has been made for this class of sufferers at the home for incurables, where they can obtain the services of skilled attendants and medical advice, together with every comfort which can be devised in order to minimise pain and render life in such circumstances endurable, end quote. I mean, even though I probably personally wouldn't want to stay there, it definitely seems like it was a really positive thing that the South Australian government at that time was willing to make changes and were making efforts to give these people a better, more... Um, efficient lifestyle like what do you think? Yeah definitely if you look at the alternative a lot of
0: these people probably would have ended up homeless or lived a shorter life due to their physical well-being however today there are so many jobs available out there for people who might be paralysed or have a lack of movement and I really think it shows how far we've advanced as a society and it's just really interesting to see how far we've come.
1: Yeah, and I think it's kind of fair to say that Doris Taylor herself probably had a bit of an impact on that in South Australia specifically because you can really see that throughout her life she fought for the rights of people with physical disabilities and providing um, more education and jobs for them.
0: Despite these suggestions and the positive view of the home at the time, Doris and her mother did not want her to spend the remainder of her life there and so Doris continued to live at her own home and remained independent for her entire life. Her opinions on the treatment and pity shown towards people with disabilities is perfectly captured in a 1951 article in The Mail, a now defunct Adelaide newspaper, about her then-new motorised wheelchair. Quote, when crusading, invalid Miss Doris Taylor took delivery of a new motor wheelchair this week. Her comment was, heaven help any bureaucrat who gets in my way now. She was helpless, encased in plaster and unable to move her head or hands for several years. Yet she laughs derisively when anyone suggests her case is one for pity. She is too busy to be pitied. End quote.
1: I think that's one of the coolest quotes ever. It really shows how positive she was and how full of life she was. And this strong will and determination really manifested itself into societal aid during the Great Depression, during the 1930s. Uh, During this time, Doris became a secretary of a local kindergarten mother's club and raised a lot of money for this club. And it was during one of these fundraisers in a local soup kitchen that she really began to focus her efforts more on social injustice within her community. So these are just some of the various commitments that she had during this time. So Doris Taylor became secretary of the West Norwood sub-branch of the Australian Labour Party, was a member of the committee of the same electorate, and is credited with persuading Don Dunstan to join the Labour Party. And she also successfully managed his first election campaign for the House of Assembly seat of Norwood in 1952. Just letting you all know that we do plan to make an entire separate podcast episode about Don Dunstan and his involvement with Meals on Wheels SA a bit later on in the year, so definitely make sure to listen to that when it comes out if you are interested in hearing a bit more about him. Uh, so also during this time, Doris began campaigning for improvements to aged care services Due to her own personal experiences, she knew that the elderly needed higher levels of care than others, but also she wanted to make sure that they could remain as independent as possible. And so this is where Meals on Wheels kind of comes into the picture.
0: And so in 1953, Doris Taylor opened Meals on Wheels. The first branch at Port Adelaide was opened in August 1954 and was soon followed by several others across Adelaide. This idea was rapidly spread across other Australian states, with Mills and Will's beginning operation in Tasmania in 1955, Queensland in 1956 and New South Wales in 1957. According to Australian Dictionary of Biography, quote, in 1965, an advisor in geriatrics for the World Health Organization commented that Taylor had built up the best, most complete and most effectively integrated system of preventative medicine for old folk operating anywhere in the world,
1: We also wanted to include a quote by Doris Taylor that really encapsulates her views and goals on Meals on Wheels and what it is and what it could be. It is not a charity, it is a social experiment.
0: An attempt to solve the problem of the care of the aged under modern conditions. It is, I hope, the beginning and centre of a home service scheme, a scheme which could meet all the needs of the aged and enable them to live their lives as part of the community with the maximum of independence, freedom and comfort possible to old age. This is not a charity stunt. We are not sitting back and getting pushed around anymore. We will fight for such a change that the pensioner will no longer be regarded as someone for whom everything should be done on the cheap. The very real and vital principle of the dignity of the human individual must be our activating force.
1: For all of this hard work with Mills on Wheels, Doris Taylor was appointed a member of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire, or MBE, in 1959. And she continued to travel across the country and urge state governments and local authorities to provide support to the elderly. Sadly, Doris passed away from bronchopneumonia on the 23rd of May 1968 at the Royal Adelaide Hospital. Doris Taylor's legacy continues to be honoured, not only at Meals on Wheels SA, but across the entire country. At our new building at Hilton, we have three meeting rooms, Taylor, Doris and the Don. And these are named after both Doris Taylor and Don Dunstan, who was the organisation's first chairman. The South Australian Electoral District of Taylor was also named after her in 1993, partly due to her many years of campaigning for the Labour Party.
0: Doris Taylor was an incredibly busy and determined woman, and it is difficult to cover all aspects of her life in just this one episode. On top of all other commitments that we have discussed this episode, she was also Organising Secretary of the Kensington and Norwood District Housing Committee and directed a proposed house-to-house survey of housing conditions. She would also read twice a week to a blind ex-school teacher and taught herself Russian to better understand and immerse herself in international politics. She was also proficient in French, German and Spanish. If you think about our last episode of learning a language and how we spoke about the different benefits that you can gain intellectually, it really shows her capacity for learning. Taylor also supported a 16-year-old girl in beginning a dance school where she maintained all of the business side of the organisation for her. There are many articles written about Doris Taylor while she was alive that describe many of her undertakings and you can really see her personality come through in these articles. If you're interested in learning more about her, search her name on Trove Australia to find them all.
1: We wanted to end this episode with a poem that Doris Taylor wrote Uh, which we now use on our awards for our volunteers who have received five and or 10 years service. It is an anagram for volunteers. Valued by all for the work you do, old and sickness bless you, I do too. Love, kindness and tender care, united, give comfort everywhere. Nothing makes life more worthwhile than helping others with a smile. Even on the hardest day, each one of you I'm sure feels that way. Remember this if you should feel blue so that you'll be happy in the job you do. I didn't really know too much about Doris Taylor before recording or researching for this episode and I knew that she was a very determined and smart woman but I had no idea about all of the different commitments and goals that she had. Um, I didn't really know that she did a lot of things other than start up Meals on Wheels which is really incredible in its own right. But I definitely didn't know that she was such a big supporter of trade unions and of the Labour Party and all of the individual people that she really helped create a better life for them. And yeah, I think she was a really, really interesting woman. And not a lot of people can say that they've done so much with their life. And the fact that she did all of that with all of the difficulties that she experienced, especially in the time frame that she lived in it's really incredible.
0: Absolutely Ella she really achieved so much despite all the challenges she faced and I think she's such an inspiration to look up to for so many people. We want to thank you so much for coming back and listening we hope you learned a little bit about Doris Taylor we know we definitely did and we hope to see you back for our next episode in a fortnight where we will talk about the Cadell prison kitchen. Bye! Bye! Thank you for listening to our episode and learning a bit about Mills and Wheels SA. We look forward to seeing you next fortnight.
1: If you have any questions or comments or even ideas for future episodes, please get in contact with us at ella at mealsonwheelssa.org.au. Until next time, have a great few weeks.